For those of you that love mysteries, I think you're really going to enjoy this week's episode. I have Mary Kubica on the podcast this week. She is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of suspense novels such as The Good Girl, Pretty Baby, Don't You Cry, Every Last Lie, When the Lights Go Out, The Other Misses, and Local Woman Missing. Her first novel, The Good Girl, was an indie next pick in August of 2014, received a Strand Critics nomination for Best First Novel, and was a nominee in Goodreads Choice Awards. I think you'll enjoy the interview. Let's get started. Welcome, listeners. Today, I have international bestseller Mary Kubica here to tell us about her newest book, Just the Nicest Couple. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, our first question usually is, tell us about the book. So give us a brief summary, no spoilers, uh, about this book. Yeah, Just the Nicest Couple is um, its actually the story of two different couples. First, we meet Christian and Lily. And Christian and Lily are um, just, they're essentially your perfect couple. They're happily married. Um, they've just recently purchased the home of their dreams. Lily is finally pregnant after years of struggling with infertility. Um, so they're just, they're really optimistic about their future and building their family. Nina and Jake, on the other hand, have a marriage that's on the rocks. They're um, they're struggling. They're constantly at each other's throats. Jake is a neurosurgeon, so he works incredibly long, stressful hours. Um, when he's not physically at work, he's thinking about work and it's just always on his mind. Um, he doesn't have as much time for Nina. And Nina is kind of pulled in a different direction, too. Her own mother has had um, a number of health issues. Um, the 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 biggest one maybe being that she's slowly going blind. And so she relies on Nina more and more for assistance. And so this pulls Nina away from Jake and just adds to their marital trouble. And then um, one night, Jake doesn't come home. And Nina is sure that it has something to do with a, a big fight that they had the night before. He has gone somewhere to blow off steam and he'll be back. But then one night turns into two and three and eventually five nights. And some things happen within that time that make Nina start to realize that Jake isn't just somewhere blowing off steam, but that something has happened to him, something bad. Lily, the other woman, on the other hand, she believes that she was the last one to see Jake before he went missing. And so she confesses to her husband, Christian, what happens. And the two of them decide that they will do anything that they can to keep the truth from coming out. So what we have is really a cat and mouse game um, about one woman who's just desperate to find her missing husband and another couple who will do anything to stop that from happening. And it is a complete page turner. I think I read the book in about three days. <laughs> so flew through it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so what inspired the story? Yeah, you know, um, all of my stories, it's hard when they're all said and done to kind of look back and think, what was that first mm -hmm. moment, that first thought that came to me? And so often my stories just start as like a problem or a what if, something that needs to be solved. So with this, you know, I kind of, I, I liked the idea of a cat and mouse game. Um, I liked the idea of a missing husband. So often it's a missing wife that we read about. So I liked the idea of, of having a miss missing husband for a change. Um, so I, I sort of started with that, you know, and, um, you know, I wanted just this other couple to be involved. And so so it started very, there wasn't much to it, to be totally honest. And I just, I go with that and I start to write my book. I'm, I'm not a plotter at all. So I just start to write my story and see where it leads me. Yeah. And I, I love all the characters. There's 
and I'm going to try to not give away any spoilers. So I'm trying to like ask the question very carefully. Uh, so there's a lot of nuances to all four of the characters, the, the, main, the two couples. So how do you come about creating the characters? Yeah, it's hard. And it is also hard to talk about, like, like you say, with this type of book without giving too much away. Um, they really, they, they, they develop very organically, I have to say. Um, I don't, I don't put a whole lot of thought into the characters before I start writing. Um, this book is narrated by two, it's near, narrated by Christian and then by Nina. So we hear from just two of the, of the narrators. Um, and so I started with Christian and actually I, I don't write the book in the same way that you read it. So I wrote all of Christian's story from beginning to end. And then I went back and I wrote Nina's story from beginning to end. And then I, I wove those two together. Um, and so, you know, when I started with Christian, to me, he was kind of a blank slate. You know, I didn't know who he was going to be. I didn't know how exactly he was going to present his wife, Lily, to us or how she was going to come across to the reader. And um, I just start writing, you know, and really I focus just on that scene that I'm writing. Um, I don't really think too much about the future or where the story is going to go or how the characters are going to develop along the way. I just, they, they really lead me, you know, so I'll be writing and I'll think of, you know, a line of dialogue or some bit of the character's backstory. And as I write it, that picture starts to take shape and they, they become who they are to me. I, I often will say, like, I'll relate it to, you know, the first time you meet somebody, you maybe sit down for coffee for the first time, and you don't really know this person well, mm -hmm. and the conversation is forced, and it might feel awkward and comfortable, and that's how I feel a lot of times when I start my books. Like, I don't know who this person is that I'm writing about or or any of that, and so it, it does feel a little bit more unnatural, but then always there's this point in the writing where things just click, and, you know, then all of a sudden, this is like a good friend of mine that I'm sitting down for coffee with and the conversation flows and there's just a naturalness about it and so that's something that always happens during the book you know I finally get a true grasp of who these characters are um, the one thing that I really do try to be cognizant about like in a story like this because we have two husbands and two wives and and I know for the reader if they all were very similar that that's going to be hard for the reader to really separate them. So I want them to have some kind of distinctive character. So, you know, as I created Nina, for example, I wanted to make sure that Lily, the other woman, was quite different from her. So that's one thing. And whether it happens on a first draft or I go back and edit that in, that's something that I am um, very aware of. Yeah, yeah. And and that does come across. Like, I definitely, you know, Jake and Christian are very different. And so are Lily and Nina. And, you know, one of the things I always I noted about Christian was how much he loves Lily. So he's so this is a husband who is so completely in love with his wife. And then you sort of get the other end of Nina, who's sort of struggling with with Jake. So and all of that comes across really well. Thank you. So now you, I think I read somewhere that you were a history teacher. So uh, I imagine some of that, some of that showed up because both of the, both Lily and Nina are our teachers. So some of that showed up in your story. How did you go about making the transition from teacher to writer? Yeah, so I was um, I was just one of those kids from a, a, an early age that loved to write. You know, it was just one of those things that once I discovered in probably middle school, a late elementary school, um, that I just I was so taken with. Um, I remember when I was young, you know, coming home from school in the afternoons and just spending the rest of my day writing. Um, but it was just something that was it was always very private to me. You know, I, I loved doing it. It was kind of um, you know a great way to sort of live vicariously through these fictional characters. But it wasn't anything that I, I ever thought I would want to, want to pursue professionally. You know, it was mm -hmm. 
um, it was just for me. It was a hobby. Um, I was even at that age, reluctant to share my work with anybody. Um, so, um, so it didn't cross my mind that this is something that I might want to do for a living one day. Um, but I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a teacher. And so I had studied to become a teacher and I taught, um, after college in the suburbs of Chicago, which is where I live now. And then for a few years, my husband was relocated out to Omaha. So I taught in the Omaha public schools. Um, but through it all, you know, whenever I had a quiet weekends or a free evening or whatever, you know, I was still writing. It was just one of those things that I wasn't ever going to let go of um, again, even though it was just one of those things I was doing for myself. And then my daughter was born in 2005 and um, I decided to step away from teaching for a little while to raise my family. And it was then when I was home, I mean, I laugh now because in retrospect, I don't know how I did it, but my daughter was like weeks old and I got the idea for my first published book, The Good Girl. And whenever, you know, if she was napping or if she was just peaceful and content, I would get on the laptop and write a little bit. And this book started to take shape that I just, I mean, I loved more than anything that I had written in my whole life, you know, and it was the first mm -hmm. time that I felt this draw, you know, like maybe there's more to this than, than just a hobby, you know, maybe, maybe I do want to see if something can become of this book. Um, and it was the first thing that I had ever finished, you know, I had started and stopped so many manuscripts in the years before that, but something always, you know, I would get partway into, I think I had this incredible idea and then I would lose interest and set it aside and start something new. But with the good girl, you know, all the pieces just fell into place. Um, I have a son who's two years younger than my daughter. So soon I had two little ones at home and finding the time to write was really hard. You know, I used mm -hmm. to just hope that I could get them to nap at the same time so I could get a little bit of writing done. Um, but it, it it was hard and it took me five years to finish that book, but I was so determined to finish it. Mm -hmm. And then when I did, you know, it was the first thing that I felt really compelled to try and put out there. But I should say I wrote the whole book in secrecy. Only my husband knew that it existed, but I wouldn't let him read it. Um, but I did tell him about it because I knew we shared a computer and, you know, <laughs> who knew what internet surges he was going to come across. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So I, um, nobody read it before I decided to send it off to these literary agents, like nobody proofread it, nothing. So um, it just seemed so much easier for me to like share with all these people I never had to look in the eye if they rejected it than to share with like my loved ones, even though I knew they would be totally supportive. But I don't know, it just, it just felt easier that way. So I didn't know anything about publishing. I hadn't studied creative writing in, in college. I didn't know any writers at the time. I'd never belonged to a writer's group. I, I didn't know anything. So I did some research and I got my hands on a book called The um, the Literary Market. And I um, started um, just sending out um, query letters to all these agents in the book that represented, you know, the kind of book that I thought I had written. And almost immediately, you know, the, the rejection started coming back in and over, you know, the next couple months, year, maybe um, every agent, and there were a lot of them, but every agent that I sent that book to ultimately rejected it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, that was that, that book was never going to be published. Um, well, two years after all that rejection came in, I got an email from one of these agents who had previously rejected it. And it just so happens that when she first read The Good Girl, she was right out of college, brand new to her literary agency, and she found The Good Girl in the slush pile. Um, and she took it home and read it and loved it. But she was um, working as an assistant for another agent, and she didn't have the um, the authority to take it on herself. And her agent that she was working for decided to pass. 
So within those next two years, though, she was promoted to an actual literary agent and she remembered the good girl for all that time. And so she reached back out and we started working together. And um, that was back in 2012. And by the end of that year, she had sold that book. So, um, you know, it was really kind of a dream come true. But, you know, I, I love teaching to, to get back to, to your original question. I love I love teaching. I miss teaching. I try to get into the classroom as much as I can. Um, I've had uh, the good luck of visiting a number of schools, um, in person, locally, and then also doing a lot on Zoom, especially during the pandemic, um, just talking to kids about writing and publishing. And there's even a local school um, who has an English class that that reads The Good Girl for as you know for class. And so I I get to go in usually once a year, and we do kind of a book club discussion about it. So it's it's really fun. Yeah. Now, so the stories that you were writing, uh, were they? Did you always start off writing thrillers and mysteries, or were there other genres that you tried? Yeah. So the good girl was the first thing that I ever wrote that had like those thriller elements to it. Um, I would say the things before that were more like general women's fiction. Um, and so I, it was, it was only by accident that the good girl ended up having those thrillery elements. Like when I started writing the book, I was really sure I was writing a love story, just a little different love story that then started to turn a little dark and twisted, you know, as I, I started to get these ideas and um, just started putting them in the book and the book took a totally different turn that I wasn't expecting, but I was hooked. You know, I knew right away that those mystery elements were the thing that had been missing from, you know, any anything that I had previously written. And so I knew I'd, I'd found my niche. Yeah, definitely. So now you say you're not a plotter, but uh, uh, so how do you come about, like, how do the twists come about? Like, do they just, as you're writing, just something just sort of comes through and then you got to go back and I guess kind of put it together? Yeah, you know, I, um, I I usually, my edits can be heavy sometimes because I don't, you know, I really go into it not knowing where the story is going to go. Um, and there are times, you know, partway through the manuscript, I have to delete pages or chapters because I come up with an idea, but, you know, I've been headed in the wrong direction. So I have to backpedal and go a different way. Um, so it's really, you know, it sounds sloppy. Every time I, I talk about my method, it sounds super sloppy. And there are times that I think maybe with the next book, I should sit down and think about it and plot it out ahead of time. But I don't know, there's something that I love just about like that organic flow. And um, my favorite part of the process is just sort of that aha moment where, where I can start to see the way all these pieces are going to fall into place. Or I come up with a twist that I just find really exciting, you know, and I hope that kind of the surprise I feel at thinking of the twist mirrors, you know, the surprise that the reader will feel when they get to that um, so I just, yeah, I just start writing, you know, I feel like I usually start most of my books with a problem that needs to be solved. And so, um, I just start to solve it, you know, with like with this book, it begins with Jake is missing. And so I start to solve it, you know, and as I do, I start to, you know, create these characters and sort of think about what these characters are bringing to the story. And little by little, you know, a reason for this problem starts to form. And then, uh, then who did it, you know, who might've, who might've been involved in this. And so it's, it's very organic. And I, I would be lying if I, if that, <clears throat> I just felt really like calm and comfortable writing. There are moments of panic where mm -hmm. I think, oh my gosh, like I've created this 
story and now none of these pieces are going to fit together or I'm not going to think of a twist that really ties this all together and makes sense and um feels plausible you know I do like my twists to have a big a big element of plausibility to them because I mm -hmm. think that readers like things that are believable and relatable and um so that's something that I really try to my bring to my books every time so um so I do get nervous and so I think it's always such a relief when I do finally think of that twist yeah, I think I remember reading um, something Stephen King wrote about how he, if he writes himself into a corner, he either blows something up or kills somebody. So <laughs> to kind of get himself out of it. <laughs> um, so has your process changed? So from writing The Good Girl and now this is book number eight, if I'm right. Uh, yeah. So uh, has your process really changed or is it about the same? You know, honestly, it's about the same. Um, I I really do feel like I'm about the same writer that I was back then. And, you know, I have the same anxiety with every book that I begin. Like, do I remember how to write a book? Do I know how to write a book? And um, I think that the only thing that would change, you know, that has changed over time is like when I write like physically, you know, um, when I first sold The Good Girl years ago and my second book, Pretty Baby, was under contract with a deadline, which is something that, you know, I never had to think about with The Good Girl. Um, I had, my kids were still incredibly young. My daughter was, I think she was in kindergarten by then, but my son was in preschool, which was maybe four hours a week. <laughs> and so I knew, you know, I couldn't write a book under deadline with this, this little time. And um, so I started, then I got in the habit of waking up at five every day and writing, you know, from like five till seven was usually when the kids would start to wake up. So I would have those two hours to write and and that was it you know it was like maybe 14 hours a week that i had to write but i think that when you're really pressed for time you make the most of your time you know because mm -hmm. i i wrote a book in those in those few hours every morning um over the next you know 7 or 8 months so now my kids are somehow i don't i don't know how but they're 15 and 17 wow <laughs> and so i <laughs> they're at they're at school all day you know so i have so much more time to write so just sort of that you know that mm -hmm. has changed a little bit i do still find that 5 a.m is my absolute favorite time to write because there's just something so peaceful i think about those early morning hours nobody else is awake but there's also nothing else to do at five in the morning and my my brain just feels fresher at that time of day than any other time so um i still do try and sneak in a, a few early morning hours when i can but my kids now their school day starts by 7 a.m so they're up at 5 30 so it does kind of cut into my routine a little bit mm -hmm. so uh just the nicest couple so we're recording this in december listeners and just the nicest couple is going to be coming out in january and i always feel bad asking this question but um what's next for you are you working on your <laughs> next book already <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am working on it. And um, I'm not going to say too much about it just because it's at that, you know, mm -hmm. developmental stage. You know, I don't I don't fully know, you know, where where it's going and, and how the story is going to lead. But I'm, I'm really excited about it. You know, I just um, I feel really I'm at that point where, you know, some pieces are starting to fall into place. And so it's just really one of my favorite parts of writing. So um, this one, I'm hoping I'm hoping to have a draft done by spring, early spring, I would say. And then I think I, I think readers could probably expect this one out in 2024 sometime. Mm -hmm. Nice. Just for, as we're wrapping up, this is probably my last question. We always ask our authors, uh, what are you reading or what do you recommend we read? Yeah. So this one, I was able, like, I was able to get a little sneak peek of this one. It's out at the end of February um, by JT Ellison. It's called It's One of Us. And um 
it's it's incredible. Um, and I'm being careful now to not say too much too. But <laughs> it is it's a thriller, but it's also a very emotional thriller. Um, it's about a husband and wife who have struggled with infertility, and it's very personal. I know there's an author's note in there that that you must read. But GT Ellison talks about her own struggles with infertility and how personal this book was for her to write. So that I found just really really moving. But the story also has a, a dark dark twist when um. A murderer's um, DNA has been linked to that of this woman's husband, and she comes to discover that he had previously fathered um, children that she didn't know about, which really, you know, comes as a blow as she's here trying to to conceive herself. But now we have this murderer out there, and um, he he or she, the murderer, keeps getting closer and closer to this woman Olivia. And so it's it's just it's one of those books that's a total page turner. That you know, if you don't read it in one sitting, you're just constantly thinking about when when you're not reading it. So I loved it. I highly recommend. It's the end of February, um, but I highly re- recommend that everybody reads that one. And if you're looking for something that's out right now, um, a couple of my my favorites recently were um, Rock Paper Scissors by Alice Feeney, or this one's a couple couple years old, but I, I recommend it all the time. Um, Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. Oh, very nice. This, yeah, the JT Ellison book sounds really good. I think I might have to go track it down. Hopefully we already have it on order somewhere. (laughs) One of the perks of being a librarian. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, listeners, Just the Nicest Couple is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever thrilling books are sold. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's our show this week. Thank you for listening. Join us next week when we have local author Julius K. Hunter talking about his latest novel. I'm going to end with a quote from the queen of mystery, Agatha Christie. I specialize in murders of quiet domestic interests. Thank you for listening.